you're listening to Going Places. I'm your host, Kara Orbell. I initially started this podcast to learn more about the ins and outs of travel. Eventually, I discovered there's so much more to a person than where they go. My goal is to learn more from people who are going places. I've interviewed community leaders, entrepreneurs, veterans, authors, and experts who tell fascinating stories and give amazing advice. Thanks for tuning in, and I can't wait to see where you go. Hi, everyone. You're listening to Going Places. I'm your host, Kara Orbell, and today I have a very, very special guest. I'm talking to Lucy Bartholomew. She is an Australian ultramarathon runner hailing from Melbourne, Australia, and she started at 15, but she is still running. She just finished the Larapinta Trail, which is 139 miles, which is absolutely incredible, and she wrote her own e-cookbook. She does running camps. She travels the world. She loves yoga, which is amazing. Thank you so much for being on the show. Hey, thanks for the introduction. I love the way Americans say Melbourne. <laughs> and you got my last name said, well, this is off to a good start. I Perfect. love it. <laughs> I love that. I know I said it. I heard that from your Pillars podcast and I was like, I know I'm going to pronounce it wrong, but... <laughs> So it's perfect. Awesome. Well, I want to start. Did you run today? I did. I actually just, it's good that the video is not working on my laptop because I I pretty much just got back and I was like, okay, quickly get ready for the podcast. (laughs) Nice. I was curious about that. There's a big time difference, but it's going to be a fun interview. Let's rewind it back to you growing up. What was it like growing up in Australia? Yeah, growing up in Australia, you know, it's it's a good life down under. Um, you know, very very lucky to. Uh, yeah, I grew up in the city of Melbourne, so I now live out um, out in the sticks a little bit, a little bit further out of the city. But I grew up, got two older brothers, um, and yeah, just really really lucky. I, my parents were they split up now, but they were together, and it was just kind of you know like a really privileged upbringing um a lot of opportunity a lot of great experiences that you you get with being in a, a big major city um and yeah like there's nice places to run and to do sport and it's very kind of um advocated for young kids to go and do sport and so i feel like it's fostered well here but um, once you leave high school it's kind of a little bit different Yeah. When did you start running then? Were you just right when you started walking, you fell in love with it or was it a later sport for you? It was definitely a a later sport for me. I, you know, I ran because I had to at school, you know, it was kind of compulsory. And then I would, I was in any team sports. I love community. um, And I always thought running was like just such an individual sport and didn't really interest me but um you know I played netball and basketball and volleyball and I would do anything that just kind of yeah got me to hang out with my friends and and I loved moving my body but um yeah I think for me running was just something we did to get fit for other sports and then running became my I really found my passion for running once all we left school and you know there was no organized sport then and no teams and stuff and I didn't really seek it but running was something that I could do anywhere at any time with anything. And it's simplicity has been what's kind of always shone the brightest for me. Nice. Did you, so you ran your first ultra at age 15 with your dad. What was that like just going into it? Were you just like, I want to do this big jump. Did you already have 
run before? I mean, walk us through that experience. Yeah, so I ran um, my first 100 kilometers with my dad at 15 in a race down in Victoria. And it kind of came about because my dad, he's done a lot of like the way he saw the world and traveled was through doing major city marathons. And it was just kind of his way of seeing countries and cities. And I loved that. So the 100K distance kind of came into the into his mind and there was a race up in the blue mountains in sydney in australia and um yeah he signed up and he was terrified he saw this list of mandatory gear he saw these big climbs you know like after coming off a road marathon where you need nothing and it's flat um and it's three hours or whatever of, of effort and kind of looking at possibly you know 20 hours of running in the mountains so I just kind of did the training with him. I'd be on my bike cycling next to him and just we'd have, I'd just be his company. And then as I got stronger, I would go for a few of his training runs and we just really valued the time together. And it wasn't about the running. It was more about um, going out and we'd camp out somewhere and run in beautiful parts of, of Australia that I never would have seen otherwise. And then we, you know, I'd always find like the best cafe to go and eat at. And that was the way you know, for me, the highlight. Um, and so, yeah, then I went up, watched him run this race and I was just, just blown away by this sport where I was like, you know, everyone stands on the start line. Everyone's equal. Yes. People are faster and people bring up the rear, but there's this real camaraderie and every body shape, every size, every, you know, there's male, there's females, there's old, there's, there wasn't that many young, but um, there was definitely like this real vast, it was just a sport for everyone. And so when I saw him finish, I kind of emailed every race director and just said, can, you know, can a 15 year old female do this race? And they, one came back to me and said, yeah, you just have to run with your dad be for insurance reasons. And it, it got a lot of backlash just being like a, it, just cause it was a new path for especially Australian ultra running. Um, and so there was a lot of people that said, no, you can't do that. It's really dangerous. You know, your parents are bad parents for letting you do this. You've clearly got an exercise addiction or an eating disorder. And um, yeah, so it was kind of one of those things where it was like, okay, well, I really want to do this and I'm going to as well as I can to prove to all these people that I have none of those things and I'm really just doing it for, yeah, the love of being outside and especially my dad. That's really interesting. How did your mindset, that was kind of the starting point. How did that affect your mindset knowing that people didn't want you to run that race? Yeah, it was really challenging. The, um, the ambassador of that race, who was a female herself, someone I really looked up to, you know, she put out a statement to say that she would step down from being the ambassador if I ran. And um, I was really kind of you know, I've come back into contact with her since and just been like, you know, like it was such a hurdle to overcome because someone who I respected so much who had paved a way for females in the sport and she was known as the young one and I was just a bit, it's just a new path that was being paved. And the thing was, was that there was a group of um, 15 to 17 year old girls walking the 100Ks. But the fact that I was saying that I want to run, it was like, oh, no, no, you, you can't. Um, so for me, it was, you know, tell me I can't and I'll show you I can. And that's the mentality I've always kind of taken everywhere I go now with my, with my sports. That's really interesting that people 
didn't approve of it. How did that, I know your dad said something like, make sure you have a smile on your face the whole race. How did that impact your whole mindset going into ultra marathon running? Did you have a more positive mindset going through it? Or did you like, feel like you had to be smiling the whole race? Yeah, I think, um, you know, when we stood on the start line of that hundred K dad said, you know, there's so many people that have given their opinions on this and they want to be right. And so they want to, they, you know, they don't not want me to finish, but they just don't want to risk the sport and the, the beauty of it for someone, for me to hurt myself. And so he kind of said, you know, you've got to smile the whole way through this to show people that you love what you're doing. You love where you are and you're not doing it for the wrong reasons. And, you know, like I kind of looked at it as like a middle finger to everyone of like, yeah, I do. I am, I can do this. And like, I appreciate your opinions. I hear you. I see you, but I, I'm going to like still do my own thing. Um, And then that kind of mentality has just stuck with me, you know, because I think the power of a smile and, you know, there's now science that backs it, that says, you know, when you smile to yourself, even when you're really, really struggling, it really changes your mindset. Good. We're happy. Okay. And chills you out a little bit. So yeah, for me, it's just like the power of a smile is a huge thing, whether that's, it helps me, but it also helps others. So that's definitely the mentality that, yeah, I don't think dad knew it when he said it, but uh, yeah, he changed my, my mentality for it all. I love that. Let's talk about your connection to nature. Cause it, it's really fascinating to me how much you are in line with nature. When did your love for the outdoors start? Was that at a young age? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, I, I think when you're younger, you go out in nature and you, I don't think my appreciation was, was super, super high. Um, you know, it was, we'd spend long days waiting for my dad to finish his marathons or, you know, road tripping through Australia. And it was kind of like, oh, this is so long and such a big country. And, oh, dad's taking forever to run this race. So I wasn't like, you know, digging holes and looking for plants and animals. And, but I've always had just like curiosity about it, you know. And as I've traveled and been super grateful to see just the broad spectrum of what the world has to offer I think for me I just feel like mother nature is just like the most beautiful and powerful thing we have and something that we need to look after because you know it can't defend itself Mm -hmm. um and so I just I don't know I think you know I call the nature outside nature is like it's my it's like me going to church is going out for running. When I go to work, I go out and it's my office. Um, it's my home. It's where I feel the, my best, my most empowered. It's, you know, so it's kind of all these things. And that's kind of where I'm like, I've, you know, if I'm going to use it in all those ways, I need to look after it as if it is my house, my office, my church. Um, and so that's kind of how I look at it. That's really beautiful. Let's talk a little bit more about your running through the years. I I wrote down a few races that stood out to me, but you ran your on your 21st birthday, you ran the Alta Trail in Australia. And can you talk about that race and just that feeling? I just turned 21. So how did that feeling of coming of age, basically, when you're finishing up an ultra marathon, what was that like? Yeah, it was amazing. Um, it was one of those days, you know, I, um, I went up to the Blue Mountains where it was held in Sydney. And I, so it was the same race I saw my dad do when I was 14. 
And then I came back when I was finally of age to do it when I was 18. And then I was on my, for my it was on my 21st birthday. And I was like, I got to do this. This is how I'm going to celebrate. Much to my brother's disappointment, he thought, like, the only present I want from you, Josh, is to crew me. So <laughs> he came up. But um, it was an amazing thing. It was one of those days, you know, I went into the race having run the course, you know, I visualized what it was going to look like. And I, you know, I, I knew I was in good shape. And the day before the course got completely changed because of flooding. And I just remember thinking like, oh, you know, all those, you know, visualizations and dreams of the last climb and like feeling good and crossing the finish line with the sun and the ha- being happy, like it's all not going to happen. But it turned out that the way that the course changed was that the last 20 kilometers was an out and back. And so I turned around, it, I got to the 80K mark, turned around and uh, for 20 kilometers, the last 20 kilometers of this 100K race, I had people stepping off the track and singing happy birthday. And I ran into my dad and he was like, just so amazed that I was, I was leaving this race and crossed the finish line. And I was just like, wow, you know, there's, there's ways to celebrate your 21st birthday and a hundred Ks isn't everyone's cup of tea, but <laughs> I feel like I still got, you know, I came out of it feeling pretty smashed. I didn't like, and, <laughs> and had a big night. Yeah. In terms true. of like watching other races come in. <laughs> so, that's so true. I feel like there's parallels there. <laughs> that's so that's so interesting and so cool. I know I'm skipping around a lot, but let's talk. I did a lot of research on you. I've been watching all of your documentaries today. And let's talk about Western States, because that's another one that stands out. The one in 2018. You you say you ran in all of the ways that people told you not to. What was that like knowing that you broke all of the unspoken rules of Western states? Yeah. So I went into Western states blissfully unaware of what a hundred miles was. You know, I ran, I trained and I ran just kind of like I would do a hundred K and, and then I thought I would just try and hold on. And I, for me, you know, it was my first time racing in America. It was my first time running a hundred miles. And so anything I did was a PB and Western States was something that I'd wanted to do. And I was happy just to do it once, you know, it was me and my dad had watched Unbreakable, this film on it, like a million times. And to be offered a bib when I was um, 21 was just, you know, my dad's been waiting eight years to get into that race. So it was just a huge honor to stand on that start line. And I trained towards it. And I, you know, in my mind, I've never been as motivated as I was for that race. And I kind of said, you know, I want to stand in the start line at Squaw Valley and be like, I have left no stone unturned. You know, I'm here. I can, I want to do everything I can every day. Um, And so I stood on that start line and I was just like, cool, like I'm going to just like let it rip and see what happens. And what I realized is that the difference between 100K and 100 miles is whilst it's 60 kilometers, it's a long way. Um, And all those pieces of advice that I were given were given to help me succeed. Whereas I was like, oh, you don't get to the top of the first climb first. Like, what do you mean? I want to be like, I want to lead from the beginning. Um, and it was, yeah, you know, someone wrote an article and they described it. Like I ran like a puppy that was brought home for the first time where I was just like big eyed, like super happy. Just like, couldn't believe that I was in this field, in this race, I was running around, looking around everywhere. And, uh, yeah, I got to a hundred kilometers in, in okay shape, but then had to really dig deep for the last 60 Ks 
but I wouldn't change a thing. You know, I ran with like true to myself, my heart on my sleeve. And I just wanted to see what my potential was out there. Let's talk about mindset. Are you a competitive person when you're out there? Is there a competition aspect to ultra running? Yeah, there definitely is. I think it's really shifted. That race really, you know, I went into it super competitive. I, you know, the the splits I had were record breaking splits. Um, so you've got to have an element of one naivety to do that because you, I've never run that far before. Um, but two, yeah, you do have to be very com- like pretty competitive and pretty driven. And then when I returned to that race the following year and had a less than ideal race and I kind of looked back and especially after 2020 and not racing so much my competitive side is like it's pretty content with what it's done I've you know I achieved things I wanted to do and I realized that you can't be what I love to race but you can't be competitive every time and it's really amazing to stand on a start line and not have those shutters on and just be about all, all the people you're going to beat and instead just spend time, you know, enjoying the course and running for the love of it and, you know, being a part of other people's day rather than it just being about your day. So I think that for me, I've found a healthy balance, which, um, yeah, which I learned the hard way through kind of over racing, outrunning my love of running and just kind of realizing that competition doesn't define you and nor should it be the, the crux of your being in the sport. Yeah. You mentioned outrunning your love of running. Can you talk about that? Because I I researched a little bit about that, but can you talk about how you faced burnout in your sport? Yeah, definitely. Um, So ultra running is, you know, by definition, it's, you know, it takes a lot of, like, it's a lot of training and it's a huge undertaking and you you do have to sacrifice time in your day and time that you'd be doing other things in order to go running by yourself in to go run by yourself on a specific day for a long distance um and so I think that for me that what really led me to that overtraining and and outrunning my love of running was that I I think ultra runners really pride themselves on kind of like I'm self-made I did it on my own and I train alone and and all this. And like we, like I said at the front, the beginning of this conversation, I love the community aspect. I love team sports and I love, um, you know, I really kind of invest in everyone else. I really love that kind of side. But what I found that I was doing is that I just was isolating myself and it was kind of like, no, this person's not running as far as me or at the pace I want to run. And therefore we can't train it all together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also just kind of after having a successful round at the Western States 2018, you know, I had big sponsors come on. It became, you know, it really was like, okay, this is now my job. This is my career. And that's awesome. But when, when you talk about, like, I love to talk about your why in running. And like, for me, my why at the beginning was to be with my dad. And then it kind of shifted of like seeing the world and meeting community. And I was, you know, lucky enough to get a following on social media. And it was kind of like, wow, I can, bring people together and I can impact people and then when I kind of became like oh this is like my job and this is like how I make money and so the pressure was heightened on it it kind of made me just not love it as much because I just found that I was 
doing it for the wrong reasons. You know, I was doing it because I felt like I had to, not because I wanted to. And like that kind of the wording around why you go and train, like, do you have to, do you want to, or do you need to? I just like, they're completely different sentences. Um, and so I just, you know, I was going through the, the process every day. I was waking up, I was running, but whilst I was running, I probably wanted to be other places. And what I think it was, was that I just wasn't looking after the other aspects of my life, you know, my family, my friends, um, and, you know, it just kind of, it wasn't balanced and yeah, it's, it's funny because like you hear stories and I was always like, I'll never be that person. Cause I'm like amazing at resting. I just love it. Um, and then, yeah, I, you know, I fell into that and it, with running, there's a, there's a mentality of like more is more to be a better runner. You need to run more. And it's just so false. Like my coach who I have now, I'm probably running the least I ever have, but I'm probably the healthiest, the mo- least injured and the like more, most stoked I've ever been. And that's the key to longevity in this sport and in life. I love that. How has COVID impacted your training? Cause I, I think you were getting burnt out right when COVID hit. So did that help you take that necessary rest? Totally. COVID was for me, I know it was a challenging time for, for most of the world um, or all of the world. But for me, it was a blessing in disguise in terms of my time in the sport. What it did is it, it grounded me. I couldn't leave my house. <laughs> um, so I was, I was in a routine every day. And in Australia or in Melbourne, where I live, we had some of the most strictest lockdowns. We had a one hour of exercise a day within a five kilometer or three mile radius. So we couldn't go very far. And, um, you know, for me, I normally train two, three hours a day. And suddenly it was like, oh, okay, I've got an hour. And then, you know, I've got all this spare time. And I was, it just made me really kind of put my time and energy into other things. Like I, I wrote the cookbook and kind of wanted to do things that brought the community together, even though I don't think we've ever felt more apart. Um, and then, yeah, so I just realized what an hour of exercise and how fun that is. And when it's the only kind of fresh air you get for the day, it's just so nice to, to make it count. So my gratitude for running and moving my body and I kind of haven't really stepped out of that. I haven't really felt like I needed to do any more. And that's why when I went and did the, the Lyra Pinta recently, it was kind of like an opportunity to run as far as I want for as long as I like and just kind of get out all that pent up energy that I was like, gosh, you know, I just want to go out and breathe fresh air for as long as I can, that I don't have to wear a mask and socially distance myself from, uh, from everything. So yeah, it was a, I was, it wasn't a bad year for me. Um, but obviously it was a a challenging year for, for everyone. Yeah. Walk us through the Lara Pinto. When did that idea pop in your head? Yeah. So the Lara Pinter is, uh, was something that I've always known about and have always been interested in, but by no means was ever running 250 kilometers or 130 something miles. Uh, was it never like, Oh, this is something I'll do in 2021. It was kind of, Oh, you know, when I've done my fast racing years and it'll be just, I'll do it when I'm older type thing. Um, and then when races and stuff were all canceled, I just saw there was, there was a real uh, push towards people doing FKTs and long distance stuff and things that you don't like not wait, wait, waiting for a race to, to come on instead just going and doing it. And for me, I just 
I met the, um, Brian and Josh who came up with me, my videographer and photographer, but also just my friends. And it was kind of like, all right, well, you guys coming into my life and being very, very talented and amazing humans, um, this just feels like now's the time to do it. So we just kind of all decided, you know, at the end of March, we'd all just head into the centre of Australia and and I didn't really put out that I was going to, to complete the trail because I just was very mindful that my training had been just an hour a day, you know, my little five kilometer radius and I wasn't going to push my body or um, hurt myself whilst the season was probably just starting to kick off again. And um, yeah, I just started the trail and I was like, all right, well, let's just see how far we go. And 50 hours later and uh, 250 kilometers, it was kind of like, wow, I really... I really think that, you know, less is more in this sport. And, you know, when races are cancelled, running isn't. And you can kind of create your own adventures. And it's, and like I said, like it was more about the community of Alice Springs that came and, and met me and my crew that crewed me for 50 hours. Um, so it was just a back to being amongst the collective rather than um, as an individual sport. Yeah. How do you define community? You've brought it up a couple times, but what really stands out in your mind when you think of that word? Community for me is I, the thing that I love about community is the way that it's just enables it's especially ultra running community is it's made up of so many facets of life and it's so many different people from all walks. And my favorite thing about the ultra running community is just hearing people's stories of where they've come from, where they want to go and why they choose running. I was at a race um, two weekends ago and actually it was Ultra Trail Australia again. And um, I was, I followed the lead women who I knew quite well and it was very cool to watch them run a hundred Ks and they did an amazing job, but I actually went back out and I swept the back end and sweeping um, means that you bring up the rear. So you run with the last runner in for safety and, you know, I watched the females finish and I'd gone to bed or had dinner, gone to bed, had breakfast, then went back out and met these people as they were really struggling to make their way through to the end of the, of the 100Ks. And just hearing their stories and seeing their families that were at the finish line and then seeing the wider community being there after they've all completed their events and to cheer them through, it's like, community is just so strong and community is it's just people coming together to support each other whatever their journey looks like whatever their challenge is you know you don't need to run 100 kilometers to be in the ultra running community and I think there needs I really believe there needs to be a shift between separating like road running track running mountain running sky running ultra running like we're all just athletes we're all just humans trying to move through nature and how you do it where you do it why you do it is is totally individual but um you know like I just think that community is the strongest thing like they say in the quote if you want to go fast go alone if you want to go far go together and that's kind of that's what I believe is that yeah we need to when we work together to achieve anything, whether it be sport, whether it be environmental, whether it be schooling, you know, that's when we're our strongest. So that's kind of, that's just something I love. I just love everyone working together and helping each other achieve each other's potential. That's really beautiful. I wanted to bring up a quote that I heard from you and it's, it's about running an ultra, but you said, 
to prepare for an ultra, you're ready to have the shittiest day of your life, but you believe you can have the best day. What is that like going into a race with that mindset? It's, uh, I feel like, yeah, I love, of course, I seem to always swear or use words in my quotes. I'm like, God, Lucy, I got to get a better vocabulary. <laughs> That's okay. Um, you know, I think it's, for me, it's because I feel very humbled by the sport. Um, I've had, I've been the fittest I've ever been and had the worst run I've ever had. I've been the, probably the least fit I've ever been and sometimes had the best run. And so for me, it's kind of like, you want to go in, yes, you want to visualize the good times and you want to believe that they will come and that the best is yet to come, but you've also got to be realistic. And with ultra running, you are out there for so long that you will ebb and flow through good and bad. And it's just, you've just got to be honest and realistic about that. And I think it's more important to visualize how you're going to overcome those shitty times to then be able to really appreciate those times where you do feel good and it is all smooth sailing. So I think, yeah, I think um, it's just because I've been humbled so many times and continuously been like, wow, you know, this is, there's, there's the good, there's the bad. And they, they, you have to have day and night um, in order to appreciate both. But yeah, I don't think we can sell the sport as sunshine and rainbows uh, when it's, it's not. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, 10 years in the sport, you, you've been a runner for a very important time of your life. What, what was that like kind of growing up with the sport? Yeah. So when I'm 25 now and I ran my first ultra at 15. So I've really seen the sport change and it's, I can mainly speak to Australia because that's where I've spent. That's where obviously I really grew up and only in the last four or five years have I been internationally, but I would just say it's just incredible one to see the younger, like when I saw my dad run, like I said, there wasn't heaps of young people Whereas now I just feel like this sport is getting younger and younger and also faster and faster um, as well as more and more females, which is like the biggest and best thing about um, the time that we're in is just kind of the real push towards inclusivity for all genders, all um, however you choose to define yourself, you know, there's a place for everyone out there. Um, And I think that's really, really cool. Um, I think the sport is, yeah, it's just booming at the moment. It's awesome to see, um, yeah, running trails, ultra running, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's just, I think, especially from COVID, everyone realized that running was the one sport we could do in Australia. You know, you, the pools were closed, bike riding, you couldn't, you wouldn't get very far in your five kilometer radius <laughs> on a bike. It doesn't take long. Um, and so a lot of people took up running and, and have stuck with it because you just realize how good it feels. And now that we can share it a little more, um, yeah, how much it can really add value to your life, both mentally and physically, emotionally and, and spiritually. I love that. I have a really weird question, but the main theme in America, like the stereotype for Australia is that you have all the animals that can kill you. What's it like running like in the wilderness when I don't know if that's the same thing in Australia or if you have that mindset, but like, what's it like running out there in the crazy wilderness? 
Yeah, I, <laughs> probably not as, um, I think when people think of Australia, they're like, oh, the, the kangaroos and then the snakes are going to kill you. And then you've got like koalas that jump off you from the trees and, you know, <laughs> it's like, birds too. I just yeah, watched yeah. these videos with the crazy birds that'll attack you. I'm so sorry. This is such a stereotype. I'm so curious though. No, 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 no. You know, it's, it is, um, you are wary in Australia. Like, I think, again, like you go in eyes wide open when you go into the bush in Australia and you don't, you know, like you do see twigs and think that's a snake and you do hear rustling and think, okay, like, what could that be? So you are on your toes. I mean, I ran in America and ran into like bears and rattlesnakes and, um, and um, what are they, uh, like big cats, whatever you call them. Oh yeah, um, mountain lions. Yeah, mountain lions. Like I, you know, you guys have stuff that will kill you too. <laughs> um, we just have in Australia, it just seems to be like really small animals can make a huge uh, impact on you. But it's, yeah, you know, it's one of those things. And like, I respect nature and I respect that when I'm running out on those trails, those are those animals' homes. Um, and it's like swimming in the sea with the sharks. Um, I do a lot of surfing and it's the same thing. I just kind of, I respect it and I do my best to avoid intimidating or making them feel threatened. Um, but yeah, you know, there's only so much you can do. And I think like in Australia, we carry in races like a snake bandage and it's like all these things and internationals are just like, oh my gosh. Like, <laughs> and it's really just a bandage if you sprain your ankle, same thing. <laughs> but we just make it sound really, really, uh, really wild out here. That's so funny. I had to ask it. I'm so sorry. My listeners are probably like, what the heck? But- oh, no, no. It's great. I love that. <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit more about your other many passions. I mean, you mentioned surfing. When did you start? I have a little surfboard behind me if you can't tell, but when did you start surfing? Yeah, I've been, I've been surfing for, gosh, well, we did it at school and then I really loved it and picked it up and kind of continued to, to do it. I don't live near the sea, um, but it's kind of like a great off-season sport for me to do. Um, like the two times I've done Western States in California, um, me and my dad have gone to Mexico and then to Hawaii. And it's just kind of right. Like we don't put runners on, we got our boards, we just eat smoothie bowls on the beach and we surf. Um, and for me, it's just, you know, I chase mountains with, with uh, running. And then when I can get to the beach and I can kind of completely switch off from that, it's a really beautiful thing. So yeah, surfing is something that kind of ebbs and flows. I don't do as much as I would like to of it. But um, it's always there for me when I just need to really disconnect and and be in the water away from the running. I love that. That's something that I've had since I was 10. So I definitely wanted to bring it up because I love surfing and I love how it can be a good cross training or just something you can always come back to, which is absolutely. Yeah. Let's talk about something that's always there. Let's talk about um, food because you have your own e-cookbook. I mean, where did that come from? Yeah, so I follow a vegan diet. um, So I don't eat animal products or animal meat, um, which to a lot of people, I mean, it's really changed these days. It seems to be far more widely, widely accepted. But um, there's just such a curiosity around diet and nutrition. And I think I'm someone who... Uh, yeah, I just constantly got this question of what do you eat? You know, how do you survive running ultras off salad and vegetables? 
And um, I kind of just wanted to create a cookbook that showed, you know, I actually like eat burgers and pizza and pasta and I actually everything you eat, I can eat vegan. Um, and I also do it in a way that's very, very uh, simple, very cheap. Um, and I don't want to spend a lot of time in the kitchen. I want to be outside. So it's also just like fast and easy stuff. So I initially made the cookbook so that when I went away, my dad had something that he could use to cook my recipes. Cause he was, I'd go away and come back. And I was like, what did you make yourself? And he'd be like cereal. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Oh, this is, this is not good. All right. Well, let me teach you like the crux of the cooking. And, um, and then you can look after yourself. And I kind of showed this PDF and everyone was like, oh, you know, I'd buy that. I'd, and I was like, oh. And then in 2020, when, I, like I said, I had so much spare time. I was like, well, I'm going to really like put some effort in and take all the photos and put some words together and get some, make it a, something a bit bigger and a bit more um, very me. And yeah, it was just amazing. It's such a cool thing to share with people because it's not rocket science. You know, there's a million hummus recipes out there. Everyone, you know, everyone can make a smoothie, I believe. Yeah. Um, but it's just, for me, it's just about the simplicity. It's got like a very zero waste kind of aspect. And, you know, I'm living off an ultra run and salary, which it, it's not really a sport and there's not much money in the sport. So it's kind of, I want to make every everything count. And so for the way I eat is just that I want to use every bit of the vegetable, every part of the bean. Um, and I also want to nourish myself so that I can play outside for as long as possible. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, it was an amazing thing to share with the world. And I, especially after COVID, I think a lot of well, during COVID and still onwards, I think people have taken a bit more time about looking after themselves and, and getting into the kitchen and realizing that we've got to look after our bodies and we've got to be environmentally friendly with what we eat and being a plant-based diet is one of the best things you can do. So for me, it was just something I could offer the world um, and share, especially I really love sharing it with the, the younger guys and girls who maybe like cooking is just kind of like not a thing people do anymore. It's just takeout. Um, and I just want to open people's eyes to it's, it's not boring and it's not hard. What's your biggest sustainability tip just as a runner, as a traveler, as a, as a cooking professional? <laughs> Oh, cooking professional is not what I would call myself. <laughs> My biggest sustainability tip, you know, honestly, I think like I do believe that um, eating a plant-based diet is probably something that is achievable for everyone. And I don't mean that you have to be at 100% of the time. I mean, you can do one meal a day. You can do one day a week. Um, I just think like it's such a small shift and also just being really conscious of you know, when you go to the supermarket, where you spend your money, the company you select that the brand you choose, you know, you are supporting what they do. And just kind of having that little bit of awareness of who you are supporting and where that money is going. Um, I think that's a really easy thing because we go to the supermarket, you, we buy our food and you have, there's so many options, you know, it's just kind of there's like a million different types of milks and a million different types of cheeses and whatever. And it's just kind of like, you have the power to choose and what you, where your sense goes makes a huge difference in what is supported into the future. So I think, um, yeah, we've all got to eat, but like how we eat is probably the one thing that I would suggest people just kind of take a second to think about before they invest. 
Mm, that's really good advice. I definitely think that's shifting nowadays. And I just interned for a sustainability company. So I'm super glad we got on the topic. It's so oh, amazing. Yeah. It's called Give a Damn. Shout out to them. It was so fun. <laughs> yeah, I've heard of them. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh my gosh. They're super little out in Green Bay, but it's it's a fun adventure to work with organizations that try to change the world. And even what you're doing is really changing the world and making us open our eyes about sustainability. Yeah, but even yourself, like, you know, helping them and supporting it and then having a podcast where you can talk about it and talk about because I think a lot of people is that they just aren't aware or they don't know what to support because there's mm-hmm. the biggest thing for me, even following a vegan diet, you know, there's so much information out there and you can find information to support whatever you want to argue about. Um, but it's also like really overwhelming to kind of know, like sometimes the bigger companies that you try and support are not actually as probably like open and honest about it. But then you give like something like give a damn, um, like a small company that's or a small non-for-profit that's, um, you know, trying to do like a little bit of good and realizes that, you know, sometimes like a drop in the sea leads to building a, a pond or an ocean. Mm-hmm. Um, that That's just like, I think people just don't know how to find that kind of information and kind of really, really know what where their money's going and what they're supporting so I think that yeah you're doing an amazing job with what you with what you do and yeah you should keep it up <laughs> oh thank you well I have a few more questions um but I wanted to ask what's with the watermelon I feel like that's kind of your symbol yeah it's it's a funny story it's kind of something that it just took off and I was like, oh, now I'm the watermelon girl. Okay. <laughs> like I'll own that. That's fine. Um, so I raced in South Africa in Cape Town at the Ultra Trail Cape Town. And I remember starting the race and my stomach just not feeling good. And the only thing that was going down was watermelon and Coca-Cola. So I'd come into the aid stations. I'd fill my, it's terrible for your your stomach. (laughs) Not a good combo, really. Um, I'd fill my flasks with Coca-Cola and then I would run out with like, maybe like two or three pieces of watermelon in each hand, a few pieces like down my pack because I needed to get to the next checkpoint and I just needed you know I needed calories I needed energy and you know all the the photographers are just outside the checkpoint because I don't have to walk too far and so all the pictures of me throughout this 100 kilometer race I'm like five pieces deep in of watermelon on each hand one like in my mouth a few like poking out the back of my pack and like I looked you know like a seriously watermelon addict and um I finished the race I won the race and everyone was talking about it and was just like oh she didn't eat all day all she ate was watermelon like all this stuff and I came back to Australia and I was on national tv and they had you know when you're on tv and they have um your name and then on, on they have like your byline at the bottom and it might be like usually it would say alter trail South Africa, Ultra Trail Cape Town winner, and then Lucy Bartholomew. But instead, it said Lucy Bartholomew, known for her excessive amount of eating watermelon. And I had like nothing to do with running. And um, all they had were these pictures of me in the race, just holding like chunks of watermelon. And all these people started following me that were just curious about watermelon and how much I ate. And um, it became a bit of a, a laughing thing. And then I kind of made some t-shirts with watermelons on it. And then now wherever I go, I get gifted watermelons. Like it's, 
it's um I, I get stuff in the mail it's so funny like people will see like a pencil case with watermelons on it and they're like Lucy will love this and uh and I've got yes I've got all this stuff I'm very very themed on watermelon but I said to my dad I was like god you know I think I'm gonna have to change my fruit soon because I'm I've really had a lot of watermelon maybe I'll go you know like papaya or something <laughs> that's so funny that's such yeah. a good story I didn't know that I saw the t-shirts though you're sold out I wanted to buy one. <laughs> oh, well I'll have to get you one yeah I've got some spare here awesome okay I have a few I have two more three more questions um first of all I wanted to talk about the camps that you do what's it like running a camp with runners and just seeing all those different levels of runners yeah I love the camps um again like community bringing people together it's kind of this is this this is what I love about the sport um so the camp started and there's so little about running that's what I love about these camps is like yes we run we go for you know, we used to spend some hours in the mountains um, and move our bodies, but you're really just like pushing the blood through your body so that then you can like feel good about sitting down and like having a good chat because we all feel better after a run. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the weekends are kind of, um, we've done one in South Africa and that was our first international and then COVID happened, but I really want to take them like into America and Europe and stuff. But they're about kind of, it's kind of like spend a weekend with me and live my life. I'm not here to like, I don't want to be like a teacher or anything, but I just want to share the training, the eating, do a bit of like meditations. Like I can teach yoga um, and just kind of like, and connect with people. And I just love the range of people that come to these camps, you know, men and women alike that put themselves out there and, on Friday, it's super funny because everyone's so awkward. And then by Sunday, everyone's like talking about, you know, how do you go to the bathroom on the trails and all these, you know, questions and just like best friends. And I just love that kind of, um, you know, running really breaks down barriers. So it's a great way for everyone to kind of, everyone's a bit more vulnerable. And then to kind of integrate the vegan eating, like the plant-based recipes and then the yoga and the meditation and then just like the human connection and you know it's just a laugh I just love it I think it's yeah it's the best days of my year have been the the camps that I put on because I just kind of yeah I just I'm just like well I'm not really here I'm not looking after you like you've got to look after you but I'm like I want to create a space where we can come together and yeah share each other's um, learnings and experiences and and grow together because it's just such a cool opportunity Um, And it's kind of like school camp, I feel like for adults. So it's fun. (laughs) I love that. I actually recently became a yoga teacher. And so my rigorous training was the same way where it was kind of like summer camp. But I wanted to talk. Yeah, I wanted to talk about yoga because I know you're really into yoga. What are your favorite poses as a runner? I could sit in pigeon pose um, until the cows come home. (laughs) I absolutely love pigeon pose. You don't love it. <laughs> I can't do. I don't love pigeon and I don't love downward dog, which is really weird coming from you. Really? Eating. Yeah, that's my like least, like I'm so self-conscious about my downward dog because I have really tight hamstrings. So it just does not work for me. <laughs> yeah, well, my forward fold is like probably something oh, to yeah. be, um, not good. <laughs> I mean, my savasana is nailed. Like I'm oh, yeah. so good at lying on my back. <laughs> um yeah I mean yoga for me is like 
I, I feel like, you know, you can do yoga where you move through the poses so fast and then you can do yoga where you sit in it for so long. And um, I feel like I really love the sitting in a pose. I think I'm just like such an endurance person where I'm like, okay, this is uncomfortable. I'm going to sit in it and I'm just going to, it's going to get better at some point. <laughs> like the best is yet to come for this pose. Um, but yeah, for me, you know, I, I really love pigeon pose, especially cause I did, um, tear my hamstring. So I really mm-hmm. find that doing that regularly, it, uh, it really allows me to feel out that, that area. Um, I love child's pose and I love, yes, yeah, Savasana. They're probably my <laughs> favorite running poses. They're probably like not the strength building ones, but like mindfully they, they relax me. Yeah. I love that. When what about you, yourself? Ooh. Um, I like, this is a long word. Supta Baddha Konasana. It's like mm-hmm. supine butterfly pose. So your legs are out. That one's my favorite just because of the name. <laughs> it does. I, yeah. It sounds good. <laughs> that's a good one. And then I just like the flow. I love teaching. I think that's the most fun part just because I can lead people through flows and just bring everything together, which is so fun for me. That's awesome. Yeah, it's fun. I love, I love yoga. I think it brings everyone together and you don't have to be good at it and you don't have to be flexible. And that's what I'm trying to teach people, which is super fun. So do you, do you teach classes where you are? Yeah, I teach classes at my university or college and it's going well. I'm trying to get more people involved, but a lot of people are really shy to come in person, especially with COVID. I think there's a lot of fear with it and even with running I think that's the same thing like people don't they're shy about admitting they're a runner admitting they do yoga like going to a class and so that's what I'm trying to bring in with my teaching just that anyone can show up and you're not going to be judged I think I think that's a huge thing um like that fear of being like you say being judged and that self-critic and I was talking to this, these group of ladies the other day and they were, I was saying about, um, they're like, oh, I really feel self-conscious when I run outside in public. So I run so early so that no one can see me. And I was just like shocked because it doesn't cross my mind. And I, I just think like, you know, and then we were talking about body image and I was like, oh, you know, sometimes if I have a really bad body image day, I'll just like run in my sports bra. And I kind of radically, um, contradict how I feel like at a time where I just want to like be not seen and hidden I'll like try and do something that's radically opposite that and um and then we were talking about us saying you know at the end of the day you know I do my the my gratitudes and I'm like you know when you run past people in the, when they're sitting in their cars and you think they're looking at you if you think that by the end of the day and they're doing, they might do their gratitudes that they're going, Oh, I'm really grateful for this girl that ran past me in her, in her sports bra. And that that was like a huge part of their day. You think all these people are, are looking at you and they have, they are so just looking at themselves and invested in their own life that they don't see it. They don't notice, but we think they do. And um, you know, it's like, what we, what we say about others is what we, what we see in others is what we see in ourselves. And it's kind of, I think that's such a huge thing is that like to say you're a runner, people think that you need to run at a certain pace to say that you're, you do yoga, you must be able to hold a certain pose. And it's just like, so not true. You know, someone asked me to define what a, a runner was the other day. And I was like, anyone who moves, like you're born a runner. I don't care what you look, are you, you're, you're, born a yogi 
like you know but people are just like no 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 like I don't do it I practice it or meditation people are like not nah, can't do it and I was like when you breathe that's meditating when you're like you know there's just people just have to you don't have to be the best you just have to try or you just have to to live to exist and to be aware and then being aware is a meditative state you know like so I just think that there's a, a real kind of people hold themselves back and won't allow themselves to grow and to learn new things by like showing up to a, a class like you where with you and it can be just so life-changing but people are just creatures of comfort you know and outside the comfort zone is is not where people play a whole lot but it's where you grow the most yeah I think that's so powerful that you're saying that as well because I I've run I'm about to run my third half marathon but even with running like I feel awkward defining myself as a runner because I've never done cross country or I've never had the traditional running so the fact that you're saying this is absolutely inspiring for anyone who's struggling with that identity or thinking that they're not good enough to be a runner or a yogi or anything that's really powerful yeah I think for me like it's been a very front and center thing recently where I've been like you're not defined by your actions and you're certainly not defined by what you look like um and that's kind of something that I had to wrap my head around when I wasn't racing in 2020 because I suddenly I was my job is to run and I, I'm not racing and I'm not running. And, um, and then I, you know, my body wasn't enjoying running and my body was changing and shifting and, you know, I gained some weight and it was kind of like, you know, people criticized me um, pretty openly about it. And it was kind of like, okay, like you can, like, if that's, you can do whatever you want to say, you can, you have, have the right to your opinion and that's fine. But at the same time, like I am not, you know, the shape of me is not who I am. What I do with that shape of me is not who I am. Who I am is like, you know, the person that speaks and the, the words I say, because that's the things I believe in and that's what I want to do. So I just think that there is, yeah, I feel like people need to just remember that you're not defined by a result or a pose or your job or your age. Like there's just all these things that we put on ourselves and it's just like, Oh, like it's just so irrelevant. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's my rant. That was what I was thinking about in my run this morning. So I'm probably just pushing it on to you now. No, that was beautiful. <laughs> and actually I wanted to ask that question and that's a really hard topic, but you, you described it beautifully. And I hope all of my listeners take that and take that into the, into account. It's beautiful. How far did you run today? I'm so curious. <laughs> Oh, no, I did an hour. I'm oh. still on my little hour bandwagon. Oh. Yeah. So I did, um, what was it, nine miles probably for you in America? <laughs> I think that's my maths. Um, yeah, I flew home from um, the desert. Uh, I went back to where the Lara Pinter was for to support the community up there just for something. And I flew back yesterday, saw my dog for the first time in six weeks and was just so happy. And then this morning, you know, I slept like a full nine hours, got up and it's, it's really cold where I, where we are now it's going into winter. And I just went for a run and was listening to just a great playlist. And I was like, this is amazing. This is like, it feels good to be home. I say that in three days, I'll be like, where to next? (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. You have to share the playlist with me. I'm always looking for new music. 
that's awesome. oh totally yeah we'll do a swap because I also love to to learn new music awesome okay well I have one more question I'm this has been an amazing interview even though we had a few wi-fi hiccups I mean I've had so much fun in this conversation <laughs> likewise yeah it's been awesome yeah I have one more question I asked all my guests it might stump you I'm really curious to see what you're gonna say but if you could go anywhere in the world where would you not go Oh, that wasn't in your list of these are the questions I'm going to ask you. <laughs> I know. I asked all my guests. It's my final question. Where would I not go? Oh, gee. Dang. Yeah, that's. I would not go. I can't even think of anything. Oh, my gosh. That is a hard question. What have other people said? I'm curious now. I'm going to have to listen to all your uh, interviews. <laughs> I've gotten so many. Um, a big one is the cold, like Antarctica. Another one I've interviewed a oh, lot. That's of- on my bucket list. <laughs> okay. I think there's yeah. a race there too, isn't there? Well, is I it- just want to go because I think it's going to disappear with the environment. So I kind of like, it's getting smaller and smaller. And so I think I'd love to go there and whilst it's, you know, somewhat okay. So yeah, that's on my oh. bucket list. <laughs> that's a sad reason to go there. <laughs> I know, I know, yeah. Yeah. I've gotten a lot of like war war torn countries is a big one. But I interview a lot of veterans and some of them say like they they'd want to return when it's safe. But I mean yeah. I've gotten I've gotten everything. I've gotten I think I got the heat once. Um, just all over the place. Wow, that's it's so interesting because like I was talking to um a friend of mine who does stuff with um Afghanistan and stuff and she puts on like uh, getting women out there running. And so I was actually going to go to Afghanistan. So that interests me. (laughs) And then the heat interests me because I love the sun. Um, Where would I not go? I probably wouldn't go in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. (laughs) Hmm. Probably not where I would want to just like hang out. Yeah, I'd want to, yeah. Not like nothing with land, like it just in the ocean, not land. I'd want to be on an island, but I wouldn't want to be just in the water. You're thinking like life of pie, like string. Yeah, yeah, okay. totally. Yeah, not That's interested. That's a good answer. <laughs> That's one of the unique ones. Oh, I feel thrown. I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm open to anything, you know? I'm like, I, I could make the best of any situation, but I think if I was life of pie stranded in a boat in the middle of the ocean, I would probably struggle. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good answer. What about you? What's your answer? Oh, that's such a hard one. People always spin it back to me and I never know what to say. Um, it, it kind of changes all the time, I think. But right now, I probably, I wouldn't go to the city. I'm kind of done with cities. I lived in Spain for a little while and I lived in Valencia. And ever since then, I've just always wanted to go like live in the woods forever. <laughs> So I'm probably see that. Yeah, I'd probably go back to the the water or go back to the woods and not I'm not a huge fan of the cities. Yeah, that's fair. Actually, now that I think about it, I like Melbourne City because it's really the only city that I when I got in from the airport, I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm just going to take this Uber (laughs) as far away from here as possible. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) that's a good answer. Now you've done well. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I mean, you have had so many amazing experiences and you're so authentic on social media and just open about your story. So thank you so much for sharing about you and what makes you you. 
Oh, well, likewise, Kyra. Thank you so much for reaching out and having me on. And yeah, like we'll have to have to catch up when uh, things open up a little bit. But yeah, like I said, this podcast, you know, it's amazing the power these conversations can have. And so thank you for putting all of them out into the world and, uh, and for putting me on. It's awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to my interview with Lucy Bartholomew. Again, this interview was recorded a little bit earlier than it was published, but I hope her lessons and her life experiences still are inspiring and so amazing for you to hear today. So thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked this episode, please feel free to reach out to me on social media. And I encourage you to check out my other interviews. My guests are truly amazing, including Lucy. And I'm so inspired by their amazing stories. Thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, I can't wait to see where you go. Bye.